Okay, so it's good to be back, and today I got something a little bit different for you. We're gonna talk about something that is often overlooked, which is sleep. We sometimes hear on the podcast talk about how sleep is very necessary for you to maintain your health and actually do the things you like or the things you have to do, studying, working, pursuing your hobbies and all those sorts of things. But what happens when you have problems sleeping, when that actually starts to affect your day? How does that go? So I met someone who actually has a lot to say about it, and her name is Vanessa Jimenez. And she's here to tell you a little bit about her experience and the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is it's because the things that she's going to share with you today are things that I wish I'd known when I was in high school, uh, the first years of college, that would have, one, made me a more well-rounded person in the topic, but two, also understand other people better and actually have more sympathy for them. So, Vanessa, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. So, um, I was diagnosed with narcolepsy about two years ago now. It was Thanksgiving of my junior year. Um, the way it happened, the journey basically started four years before that when I was about 13 or, or 12. I, I was 12 years old in seventh grade. Um, I was, it was a weeknight, it was a Thursday. I was falling asleep on my bed watching some YouTube video, and right before I fell asleep, I heard the, like, the floor. I heard a dog walking towards me, like the, the sound that a dog's nails would make when it's walking on a wooden floor. Heard that coming towards me, and I didn't have a dog. I, I knew what it would sound like because I used to have a dog, so I was familiar with what it was. It was heavy like a dog, the way it walked, and it was walking towards me. Um, obviously, I, I stopped the video because I was like, maybe it's coming from the video. It wasn't. I look around. There's nothing. I'm like, oh my god, is it a rat? Like, I've never had a rat in the house before, but maybe rats are heavy like that, but no. I look around, there's nothing. I get quiet again, I hear it again, it gets closer, I lose my mind. I'm, I run out of my room, I run to my parents' room. It's, and you're 12 years old. I was 12. Like, a 12-year-old is not going to be crying about some monster in their room like a 4-year-old. Yeah, four you're year like old. a big kid, yeah. I was in middle school, so I'm running into my parents' room, I'm like okay, like, I'm going to sound crazy, but there's a dog in my room, but, like, I don't see it, like, I hear it, I don't see it, and it was late, it was, like, nine, so my parents are, like, oh, my God, there's a dog in your room, and I'm, like, no, but kind of, you know, so they, they escort me back to my room, and they take the time to look under my bed, and look under my closet, and, uh um, And you're just sitting on your, where you're sitting as I, they're I'm, doing that. I'm standing at the doorway, and I'm looking with them. My mom is like super scared because she's she heard me say that there's a dog in my room and she's not seeing one. My dad looks like annoyed. He's pissed because like it was late and it's a weeknight and I'm making them get up and look in my room like a baby. Um, they're like, there's no dog in here. I go, I know. Okay, go back to sleep. No, I can hear it. No, you're going back to sleep right now. No one stayed to comfort me. It was a get your butt in bed throw the blanket over and close your eyes sort of thing. So um, that's what I did. I, I got back into bed. I laid there. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I was just, it was in my head. Who knows? Um, and then I heard it again and I heard it get close. Cause before I heard it like enter the room and get near my bed, 
but then I heard it go under my bed and settle and I heard the like a jingling of a collar like like a dog tag as it settled under Mm -hmm. under me under my bed that was terrifying and after that I was convinced my room was haunted like you couldn't tell me otherwise my room was definitely either haunted or I was losing my mind um so I, I chose to believe it was haunted and it, it didn't help that my mom kind of contributed to it because she was like, oh, yeah, creepy things have always happened in your room. Like, I heard a coin drop one time and it spun for a long time and I didn't see a coin. There was no coin, but I heard a coin. And, and I was you like, tell that to a 12 year old. Yeah, she's <laughs> going to freak out. For real. And so I really thought. And then so that was actually my first auditory hallucination. It happened again uh, towards the end of middle school. Uh, I was again falling asleep. I was like right on the cusp of falling asleep when it happened, and it was so creepy because this time it was more than an odd like an auditory hallucination. It was also like a physical thing. Like I, I felt someone like lean into my ear and like whisper, and they whispered "capillar," and I I thought I don't know. First thing that came to mind was oh my god, it's a demon speaking in Latin. It's probably telling me to do something evil. I don't know. I I lost my mind. I pulled out Google Translate. I was like, what does capillar mean in Latin? And then it wasn't even Latin. It was it was actually Portuguese, funnily enough. And it's for capillary. Yeah. And I was like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Like, a girl, you're straight up hallucinating. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but at the time, I thought the ghost was trying to tell me something. And it was scary. Cause I was and how like, far from the first story was that? That was like about a year or two after. Okay, so you had nothing happen in a year. Uh, like little things would happen. I, I can't really. Oh yeah, the, my doors they would open and close, so that really contributed to me thinking there was um, a ghost. But my mom thinks that a there's ghost like or something. yeah, my mom thinks it was like a pressure thing that would cause the doors to you know like slam closed by themselves, but. I don't know. I thought it was a ghost. <laughs> it seems kind of sketched to me. So, yeah, and then I would have like a lot of just strange strange things. I would talk in my sleep. I would do stuff in my sleep. It was just weird. So, I I don't know. I, it was just a scary time because I was really confused. Um, I didn't know I had like a problem until my junior year so four years later when i went to a pulmonologist to see if like pulmonologist yeah so i have asthma and um we had to check up on that and make sure like everything's still good if i still needed the same inhaler and, and stuff like that and um before i went in they gave me a questionnaire and it was like like nine questions or 10 questions and they were like if you answer yes to nine to to more than nine of these questions then you may have narcolepsy and I answered yes to exactly nine and so my brain was like oh well that's not over nine so I should be fine (laughs) and and did you know what narcolepsy was at a time I never even heard of it man I was just like huh like it's nice to doing these questionnaires for people that need it but like whatever you know I obviously don't I just got nine I only got nine it wasn't over nine so should be solid Uh, I give them my results. I get checked up by the pulmonologist and they're like, great, you still need an inhaler. Thank you. Uh, And they're like, and um, we're going to have someone come in to talk to you about your results from your questionnaire earlier. 
And I was like, oh, really? Like, did they find something wrong with it? I didn't answer yes to more than nine. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, but um, the average answer would be yes to maybe like three. And um, wow. yeah, that's you said yes to a lot of it. Like one of the questions was, could you fall asleep in a 30 minute car ride? And I fell asleep on my way to my appointment in the car. Like, like, well, yeah, just now, <laughs> Yeah, like just now I was like, oh, it's funny. They're asking me that. Haha, <laughs> like hilarious. What a coincidence. <laughs> I know. And so um, then the sleep specialist comes in. Her name is Dr. Bonnie. And she's like, hey, so we want to talk about your results. Um, do you happen to feel like tired? I'm like, yeah, but you know, like I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of soccer and I'm in IB and I'm doing all these things and I don't really get that much sleep. She goes, oh, okay. And then she asked me a few more questions. And at the end she goes like, you know what? Like you, you seem to be like checking all the boxes for someone who uh, may have narcolepsy, like would you be interested in potentially undergoing a sleep study to find out for sure? And um, my mom was like, okay, like we'll think about it because for a long, we had a lot of problems with my sleep for like a long time. And this is the first time we we're actually thinking about doing something about it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know why, but that was just the first time. And we agreed to do a sleep study that October and then that November, we got my results back. And it was very weird uh, for us to, I guess, kind of accept the diagnosis at first. Because my mom, when she got the call to come in in person, she thought that was a good sign. She thought that that meant, oh, they're going to come in and tell me everything's okay. Like, why wouldn't they just tell you that over the phone? So, yeah. you know, so she came in with the expectation of, oh my God, I'm going to be told my daughter is normal. I came in with the expectation of, oh God, like there's probably something wrong with me. Um, so I walk in, I sit down and the doctor tells us like, oh, you have narcolepsy. And my mom is just in shock. Like, oh my God, like it's a death sentence or something. Like it, it has nothing to do with your lifespan. But like, I guess the way the doctor phrased it, she could have put it a lot like nicer. But I remember like, the, I basically remember like what she said verbatim for this one sentence. She said like, um, your disease is covered under the American Disability Act. And in one moment, like I suddenly became disabled and I have a disease, but like, oh my God, like that's a lot to drop on someone that's like 16. Like. So w when the doctor said, uh, you had narcolepsy. Did you ask him, like, what is it? What, what was the answer? What was his answer? She kind of explained it at first. She's like, oh, well, it's it's nothing that you did wrong. Your mom didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's hard to explain how it happened because there's two types of narcolepsy. There's narcolepsy type one, where the main symptom is cataplexy. Um, people have probably seen it portrayed in the media with like someone with narcolepsy walking and then the next minute they're on the ground asleep. Well, that's sort okay. of like dropping. Like sleepwalking type of thing? No, not sleepwalking. Like someone could be awake and existing normally in the middle of a conversation and then they can like, they'll fall over and it looks like they're sleeping. Um, oh. But it's like really dramatic and like the TVs and like movies and shows and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it's really exaggerated, but what's really happening is it's a, a strong emotion can trigger a lack of muscle tone, 
So you, you just kind of lose control of your muscles and you like drop and you're conscious, but you can't move. And it's very strange how that happens. But that's for narcolepsy type 1, and that symptom is called cataplexy. I have narcolepsy type 2, which is without cataplexy. So I I didn't I've, I can only ever recall possibly having one cataplexic episode. That was before I was diagnosed. Um, apparently, when I was at a summer camp and I was a counselor in training, I fell asleep at their breakfast table. And then I guess I woke up, but I don't remember any of that. The only reason I found out was like, it was the last day of camp. And one of the kids were like, haha, Miss Vanessa, isn't it funny how like you fell asleep during the breakfast that one time? I was like, what are and you like, did I? I was like, no, I was like, what are you talking about? And then a counselor goes, yeah, you don't remember falling asleep. I was like, no, why wouldn't you tell me that? Like when I woke up or something. <laughs> so like, wow. I don't know, apparently something like that happened one time. Um, but I, I have no recollection of it. I was just told it happened days later. Like, um, but yeah, I, I've never, I'm not, I don't have cataplexy. So life's a little different for me. So the, the doctor told me you have narcolepsy, but without cataplexy. So like, it, it's just going to be different for you, but they don't know what causes narcolepsy type two. They're thinking they know what's causing narcolepsy type one. Their thinking has something to do with a neurotransmitter that just isn't being produced by the brain to help it like just function correctly um, with the daytime and and nighttime sleep cycles. So that's, that's what okay. they're, they're thinking. I think it's called hypocretin. That's that's what the neurotransmitter is called to keep that like regulated. But they have literally no idea what causes it in narcolepsy type two. Like nothing. They have no idea. So she's like, I don't know what caused it. It might have been like in your genes and then something in the environment might have triggered it at some point. It wasn't anything you did wrong, but like it's just something you have now. Um, but you basically have no idea. I have no idea why I have it. And so research is still like ongoing, but really they don't even have like a clue. They're just now starting to try to put the pieces together for narcolepsy type 1, but no, no one's sure about type 2 like at all. So you found out you had it, and your mom freaked out. Oh wasn't yeah, wasn't sure what to do. Then oh, what yeah. happened? So she she like she went on panic mode, like she her eyes got watery, because she felt bad. Because being told that like oh like your 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 disease, your chronic disease that has no cure, uh it it it's covered under the Americans like Disability Act. So like oh my god my my oldest daughter is disabled <laughs> like like it was like not... way too many big words at once yeah yeah way too many big words at once but like when I was told that I was sixteen and the first the first thing my first question to my diagnosis was do I get a blue parking pass you said I was disabled do I get a blue parking pass and she says no and my second question was do I get a scholarship and she said maybe. <laughs> Well, those are the first two questions that came to mind um, to a 16-year-old girl when she was diagnosed with narcolepsy. Uh, the car ride home was very, like, for me, it, it felt good to just know my diagnosis because that was a step towards, like, learning to understand myself a lot better and just adjusting my life so that I'm not going ham because the year before, so I got diagnosed my junior year. The year before... My, during my sophomore year, I was on three soccer teams. 
right? Wow. At the same time, I was on a travel league. I was on a rec team and I was on the varsity soccer team at my school. I was in the school play. I was, um, what else? I was in like, what, set four or five clubs. I was in the church band. You were doing everything. I was doing anything I could get my grubby little fingers on. Like, literally, I just, I just was. I was hanging out with people every weekend. I was taking all these higher level difficult courses in high school and like, my sleep was minimal, if ever any. And when I yeah, it, so how did that look like on a daily? On a daily, uh, before I was diagnosed, mm -hmm. I would wake up just like everybody else, super early. What six a.m.? You know, I I get ready for school. I try to eat breakfast. I get to school. I'm like exhausted because like either I didn't really sleep much the night before. Or maybe I tried to and I just kept waking up. Uh, that's and you would go to bed like fairly late, like 12, 1, something. Yeah, I would. And sometimes not even by choice. Like sometimes I just couldn't even fall asleep. There were nights where I would mm. wake up the same exact time every single day. I would wake up at like exactly 3.33. And it was weird. I was like, I, again, I was convinced maybe my room was haunted. So I was like, you know what? It's the ghost the messing three, three. with me. Yes, exactly. The 333. Three. I was like, oh my God, it's coming for me or something. I don't know. I was like 15. Um, but yeah, it was it was difficult for me. I, I had what I had like three ACE courses. They're like kind of like an AP sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and I would get to class and I'd be like, man, I am so tired. And the people next to me, all my friends would be like, yeah, me too. And I wouldn't think anything of it because, I mean, we were all in ACE classes. We were, you know, doing our own stuff out of school. So I didn't think much of it. It was just, yeah. So you're like, yeah, everyone's tired. just tired like me. Everyone's tired just like me. Um, and I had this amazing, quote unquote, talent to be able to fall asleep in class um, whenever I wanted to. And everyone was like, man, I'm so tired. I wish I could take a nap. And then they'd look over and I'm asleep. Um, it actually became a really big problem my sophomore year because um, I had the same class every day. Uh, like the, the, at the end of the day, we had the same class every single day. And I had a class called European History. And I would walk in. It was my last class of the day. He would turn the lights off. And he would close the windows so the blinds were shut. And he would put on the projector and have slides. And I would sit right in front of him in the podium. I was the first the person sitting in front of him scenario. on his desk. And I would put my head down and fall asleep in front of this man as he was teaching to the class. Without be like, not even on purpose. I would literally just fall asleep in front of him. Almost, at, like, it happened so often in that class. Because he would turn off the lights. There was no light. And this guy was talking in like yeah. the same sort of same voice Monotone throughout the entire voice. class. Exactly. And this is before diagnosis, obviously. And I just knocked out in front of this guy. He probably thought I didn't care, but like I did. I thought his class was interesting, but I couldn't help myself like falling asleep. And like I said, his podium was two feet away from my desk. I was the first one in front of him. So I'm he not would even literally in, see you napping, yeah. In his face, yeah. It was I felt bad. I felt bad. But looking back, it's like, oh, okay, I, I see that now. So when you when you got the diagnosis, um, how did that change your school life, your sleep schedule? How did that go? I got a few, like, I guess, modifications in my school schedule. 
Um, I got a 504 plan, which means the school has to like accommodate for my needs. Having narcolepsy comes with the school having to accommodate you with certain things like extended time on exams and tests. Um, my okay. teachers were more understanding with me sometimes, like being in class, looking kind of sleepy. Like if I needed to do something like get up and walk around to wake up, they were fine with that. Um, I was also permitted naps at school, which is pretty boss, to be honest. <laughs> um, How did that work? So at first it was kind of weird because like the nurses, I didn't know them like that. And then I suddenly had to get to know them like that because I would be with them every single day. Um, I would go in and I would sleep in, in the cots that they have. Uh, and like there's a curtain and then they would give you a blanket and looking back that but was kind of But wait, you would gross. be in class and you're like nap time and you would go to the nurse? Yes, the, the literally I had, a, I had a pass with me at all times and it was my nap pass. It said go to the nurse as needed and I got up to an hour of nap time in my classes if I needed to. Up wow. to an hour. So it was pretty, pretty great. I mean, no one else can really say that they get to nap in class. <laughs> like they can't yeah, that's a boss move i'll give you that yeah i mean like i remember one time my sophomore year when i was doing literally everything i could get my hands on i fell asleep in my algebra 2 class and my my professor or i guess my teacher he slapped his hand on my desk right next to me and obviously i shot up like because that was freaking scary i was in the middle of sleeping he goes don't sleep in my class looking back Ooh. i should walk i should have walked up to him with my pass and been like you see this I can sleep now. Um, yeah. Did you ever have that teacher again? Or no, no, no. It was just for that one year. He was a he was a nice teacher, but he did not tolerate sleeping in his class. It was also kind of funny because I feel like the, the school nurse, she didn't really know how to go about it. Because it's not every day that you meet someone that has narcolepsy. And the way that she went about talking to me about it was very, like, uncomfortable. Because she, so? she, she went, like... Oh, you have narcolepsy. Oh, I had a girlfriend whose son had narcolepsy and he failed his school because every time he'd go, he'd fall asleep. And then he lost his job because he kept falling asleep. And then he lost his family because he kept falling asleep. I was just like, oh my God. Like That's a good way to start a conversation. Yeah, like, thanks for letting me know that I can have a normal life, ma'am. Like, thank you. But then, I don't know. I don't know. I was really confused with her because she was also the same one that would take the liberty of tucking me into sleep at the school like I was a baby. It was weird. It was it was so weird. She'd be like, oh, come here. And then she'd be like, go lay down. I'd lay down because what am I going to do? Tell her no. And she would grab a blanket. She would drape it over me. She would tuck it in. And she'd be like, okay, I'll wake you up in 20 minutes. And then she would close the curtain like I was like a, literally like a baby. It was weird. It was weird. Wow. Okay, so you would take nap times... Um... And then you would go back to class. So senior year, were you able to graduate just fine? How did that go? Uh, so that all started my junior year. Going into my senior year, I had a lot of the same teachers, so they knew about it. Anyone that didn't know about it, um, they got like a letter from the nurse, and they they had to accommodate. Like they literally have no choice. Um, mm -hmm. I spent a lot less time actually sleeping when I would go into the cot because senior year was just rough i mean i was exhausted just trying to keep up all the time um and i would make up for lost time by using my nap time 
So I would say like, oh, I'm going to go take a nap. And I would go to the cot and then I would sit down and do my work. Like, so I wouldn't actually get mm-hmm. my nap and things. So things like that would kind of like, I don't know, it was just kind of like an abuse of the privilege, I, I guess. But um, it was just what I did to try to keep my head above water. I was in the IB program. Do you know what IB is? Yeah, but go ahead and explain it. It's uh, kind of similar to like an AP or an advanced course sort of thing. And you're in this program for two years. Uh, it has a lot of like projects behind it, a lot of work behind it. And after you're done, you get the chance of like, if you pass all of the exams with the correct scores, you would get 100% of Bright Features, which is a state-funded scholarship, and um, they would cover all of your tuition. So obviously everyone that was in IB really wanted to get their IB diploma, but to do that, you had to get the work done. And for me, that meant sometimes using my nap time to catch up on like an essay or, or some miscellaneous work. Um, so that was yeah, a, a, difficult. A few days ago, we were talking about it. You mentioned uh, how you would fall asleep a lot, like quickly, very quickly. Yes, uh, yes. Was it 19 times faster? Can you can you yeah. talk about that? So that was in my sleep study, actually. Um, in my sleep study, it was crazy. So I got there. Um, they made me sleep like eight hours at their facility, like eight to 10 hours, something like that. And when I woke up, they're like, okay, you had a full night's rest, like your brain should be fine now. Um, and we're gonna see like how your brain is going to react if you were to take four naps during throughout the day, like during daylight hours, like you're not gonna be doing anything crazy. You're gonna be here the entire time. We wanna see if you can fall asleep during these naps. And they were spaced out by like two or three hours. And um, the naps were supposed to be 20 minutes in length. When I got my results back, um, this was also when I was first diagnosed and they explained it to me. There were four naps. The first one was at seven in the morning. And uh, the nap that I did was 60 minutes long. It took me 12 and a half minutes to fall asleep. And it took me two and a half minutes to go into REM. So REM is like the part of sleep where you're like really dreaming. So there's like phase one of sleep, phase two, phase three, and then there's REM. And it's supposed to take 90 minutes before you go into REM sleep. And Okay, I, so it takes 90 minutes, then you get to REM. Okay, and you did it in what, 16? Uh, I fell asleep in 12 and a half minutes, and I got into REM in two and a half minutes. So my second sleep was the my fastest time. I fell asleep in two and a half minutes when it's supposed to be 90 minutes. So that was the time I fell asleep 36 times faster than anyone else. And well, I mean, the average person. And I went into REM in two minutes flat. So in less than five minutes, I was in the deepest form of sleep. So I I can see someone also being confused. It's like, oh, okay, but she's, she's just falling asleep faster. Isn't that supposed to be good? So because your brain isn't going through all those cycles of sleep, that it needs to in the correct like manner it's your brain isn't resting properly and i don't understand what happens to my brain during a regular night's sleep because when they were looking at like my brain and all the brain waves and and just the pattern they said that everything was fine during my nighttime sleep so they don't understand why i was so exhausted during the day but i was able to because my brain was able to go through all those cycles like like nothing they're like that's a the instant indicator that you have narcolepsy like it's 
your brain is not rested enough mm. when you sleep. And because of that, you want more sleep when you're like doing your daily things. And that's why your brain just, just immediately goes to the deepest form because you're exhausted and you're not getting quality sleep. And, and basically the way to kind of compensate for it is to try to sleep a little bit more throughout the day. Yeah, the napping helps refresh you more. It helps me ref refresh a lot, a billion times better. You can tell, like the people that live with me, the people that I'm close to, they can tell when I haven't gotten my nap. I, I seem out of it. Maybe I get really cranky. There are some days where like, I'll just be mm. upset, like for no reason. I'll be like angry, I'll be upset. And I'm like, man, like life is awful. I take my nap and I wake up and I'm like, what What was I thinking? <laughs> like, like life is fine. Um, I guess I was Why just- Why was I that mad? Yeah, I was like, I guess I was just tired. And I mean, it, it sounds like a very whatever sort of thing, like, oh, she's just tired. But it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the whole thing that I am tired and that impacts you in so many, so many ways, much, way much more than you would expect. Like, I don't get hangry, but when I get, don't get tired, hangry. I do not get hangry. But when I get tired, like exhausted, don't, don't even try talking to me. Like, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'm not going to be friendly. I'm not going to care. Let me get my shut eye for like half an hour and uh, talk I'll to me. I'll be a whole different person. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be normal again. Uh, and it, it feels good to have people in my life that understand that because it feels very weird. At, at first, it felt very weird coming to terms with it because like being told that I have a, like, a chronic disease and that it's identified as a disability was just like a huge blow to like my self-identity and my self-esteem because it's like, oh my God, like there's something wrong with me. Like I didn't think there's, I thought it was normal. I thought I was fine. Um, and kind of letting yourself recognize your limits is very difficult when you're in a very competitive environment. Like, like I said, my sophomore year, I was on three soccer teams at the same time. I would go to three practices at the same day on a school day like that's insane like i would be I would do constantly tired because of it constantly on the move because i was like you know what i enjoy this and there's no reason i shouldn't be there's no reason i can't you know hold up and looking back it's like you just took too much on i think that people that have disabilities they can be just as successful as anyone else but you have to work at your own pace and you have to respect your own limits because otherwise you're gonna like crash and burn. You can do yeah. anything anyone else can, but you might have to do it a little bit slower and that's okay. You know, there's no rush to get things done perfectly. There's no timer for your lap. You're gonna get the lap done and you're gonna get your medal, right? Uh, but that's something I had a lot of problems with because I had a lot of pride and I had a lot of just competition, or it felt like I had a lot of competition. I felt like I had to keep up with everyone around me. I mean, I was in high school. I mean, yeah, I it's just the, it's graduated. It's the high school environment as we know it, yeah. Yeah, and I just graduated. It wasn't even that long ago. I graduated this year. So I'm talking about it as if like I'm 10 years older now or 20 something. 20 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but like looking back, even though it wasn't that long ago, that's the kind of thing that it just was. Um, but it's nice that I have people that understand that and give me the space and support. Like, 
my parents they'll be like oh are you like feeling okay like do you want to go take your nap like oh yeah thank you like I forgot to take my nap that's probably why hey you look kind of sleepy and it's a little late in the morning have you taken your meds yet oh my gosh no I haven't taken my meds yet thank you like sort of an extra help right yeah and it's even nicer when like because I I started dating a guy named Paul and it's really sweet when he's like hey like you're you want to go take your nap like when people are conscious about that just like yeah thank you like can you wake me up sure okay great <laughs> thank you um, you want me to set the clock yet yeah it's it's real sweet um and i like having that sort of support and my teachers have also been really supportive of it i mean my professors now that i'm in college like i get extended time and i get asked like if there's anything else that i need go ahead like sas has been super super helpful for me um yeah i've been having a lot of support for for people that that may have someone with narcolepsy close to them or that may not even know about it what should they do right like you you go and tell your friends like look i have this thing um what is the best thing that people can do to try to support you i think that the best thing people can really do is just try to learn more about it because once you're aware of it you can really like know what to look out for and know what you can do to help um like i said before i was diagnosed i had no idea what narcolepsy was i never even heard of it and after i was diagnosed and i asked people about it they were like oh is that disease that makes you like fall asleep right like I guess kind of something along those lines. You just kind of like that face like, "Uh, I guess so." Like yeah. something like that because there are a lot of symptoms to narcolepsy that people aren't aware of. Like had I gone to a therapist after, you know, having all those auditory hallucinations, um they're actually called hypnogogonic hallucinations. I, pr- whoa, whoa, I don't whoa, know whoa, what people slow. How, how, how what's the word? Hypnogogonic. Okay, I'm not going to even try to pronounce that. Yeah, it's it's a hypnagogic hallucination when you're like uh falling asleep or waking up. People with narcolepsy have some of those and you know, if I'd gone to like a therapist and be like, "Oh, I hear things sometimes when I'm like falling asleep or something." They could be like, "Oh my gosh, like this girl's obviously like psychologically unsound." Like and you know, people people with narcolepsy, they get misdiagnosed regularly. I mean, I think about a quarter, I think I read that it was about a quarter of people with narcolepsy get diagnosed correctly like the first time around. Usually like it's it's not it takes a long time. Oh yeah, you were saying how long does it take usually? On, on average, it's between 8 to 15 years to get your diagnosis. Imagine going 8 years not knowing you have it. I only went 4 years after my first symptom before I got diagnosed. People easily go, you know, two to almost four times as long and that's and is there is there a specific condition that people misdiagnose it with there's a few um i was on a call with a few other people that have narcolepsy because i actually did end up getting a scholarship for it believe it or not um, oh there you so, go <laughs> yeah and so a few other people that got it and a few of the people that got it in past years they were in a call with me and it was the first time i had been with a bunch of other people that like get it cuz they also live with it and some of them had type 1 some of them had type 2 but like there is this one girl who is misdiagnosed with epilepsy because of she had narcolepsy type 1 so with cataplexy and she would like it was so sad she she would watch a lot of comedy when she was little like stand up and she would never be able to finish an episode because when she was laughing that trigger of a strong emotion 
would cause oh. the cataplexy and she would like basically kind of miss a lot of the show so things like that would happen and, and they were like oh my gosh she's having like an epileptic seizure it's a seizure and so they thought it was epilepsy and then she had to go through so many specialists before they were like oh wait a minute this kind of sounds like something else and then they did her sleep study and they're like oh it's actually narcolepsy you don't have epilepsy um it also gets confused for other things because like of i guess the the social implications it might have of it or like things that are just misunderstood of the symptoms like for example, when I, after I was diagnosed, I had a lot of questions for my sleep specialist and she told me about like, oh, you know, like people get misdiagnosed for other things on by accident all the time. I mean, there is a seven-year-old who got misdiagnosed with ADD because he was constantly moving in class, like rocking back and forward and fidgeting and they thought he was ADD. Turns out mm -hmm. he had narcolepsy and the reason he was moving so much was to keep himself awake in class that that is so sad like this poor kid they they thought the he was experiencing the opposite of what he was actually going through did he actually go through with the medicine and stuff uh i don't know i don't know she didn't give me those details but she just told me he was misdiagnosed and that's just a huge misunderstanding um sometimes it gets misdiagnosed with like depression because a lot of people that you know remember i told you when i'm sleepy i don't feel very like like normal, like I get really irritated, mm -hmm. I can get really angry, I can get upset. Imagine being sleepy all the time and not knowing you have narcolepsy yeah. and getting upset like constantly. You know, maybe you are going through a hard time, but it, it just feels like a lot more intense because you're so tired. And so people get misdiagnosed with like depression when in reality they're just tired and they didn't know they were tired. Um, and some of the symptoms of narcolepsy, I'll go over some of them. So I went over the cataplexy, that's for narcolepsy type 1. I went over the hypnagogic hallucinations. Um, there's also episodes of, oh, the word isn't coming to me right now, but it's when you wake up and you can't move. You're Is still... sleep paralysis? There you go, that's the term, sleep paralysis. That's another common thing. Um, another common thing is that people keep waking up in their sleep at night. And, like, sometimes they have a hard time going back to sleep, but that's just a frequent thing that happens. Um, and then another thing is it could be difficult to even, like, fall asleep at night. Like, people just get episodes of, like, insomnia, which feeds into the whole, mm. I'm tired because I can't be sleeping the next thing, right? Um, and thankfully, there's, like, a bunch of medications that people can take to help yourself wake up. There are certain stimulants that people can take. Um, I take ProVigil, and that stimulant um without it I, I i i can't function very well like i feel very i feel like a zombie essentially it kind of so feels when like you wake up you're all sorts of tired i'm all sorts of tired usually like it feels like the world is just kind of happening and i'm kind of there okay that's what it feels like like the world is is just happening and i'm kind of there but when i take my stimulants i just feel normal i don't feel like like, I have a, a crazy energy. It's just like, okay, my brain can actually focus now. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are certain medications that people take at night to help them fall asleep. Because, I mean, if you're not sleeping, it's a big problem, yeah. right? Of course. Have you had any uh, sleep paralysis episodes? I've only ever had it one time. And thankfully, I already knew what sleep paralysis was. This is a boring story. 
like it happened and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't move. This is sleep paralysis. And then I was like, well, people told me that they'd be seeing demons and all these scary things when they're like having sleep paralysis. So I'm going to just close my eyes and wait Let for me it just to stay go here. Away. I was going to I was actually going to ask you the first presentation I've ever given in English was for an anatomy class and it was on sleep paralysis. And of course, just like everyone else, you go doing some research on sleep paralysis. And I'm like looking at some pictures, by the way, if you're that listening to this, haven't seen any of those pictures, just just Google sleep paralysis. Oh, gosh, it's so um, scary. The, peop the things that people see. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I was going to ask you is like, is that it, it, you, you're basically awake, but you can't move. But now. How does that, do you know how that escalates from just not being able to move to seeing all sorts of weird things? Um, like your brain is somewhere between waking up and being functional and still dreaming. So mm. you're, you're like conscious, but your brain is still in sleep mode. So you're still seeing things, but they're just kind of like dreamlike states, kind of like hallucinating. It's all in your head. Uh, but because you're when you're sleeping your brain it it doesn't let you move so that's yeah. why you, you're experiencing the paralysis because your brain thinks you're sleeping but you're awake so it's a weird blend of the two and that results in you seeing very scary things and not being able This to run away wild. from them yeah oh my gosh if i had gotten one of those episodes imagine how convinced i would have been that my room is haunted oh yeah 100 percent. 1000 i would have <laughs> Bro, I would have asked to move out so quick. Man. Are you still in the same house uh, where I you am. found out? Yeah, I am. I'm in the same room. You know, it didn't help that Snapchat. You know how it identifies your face and it puts that filter over you? Yeah. It would do that to a corner in my room. Oh, no. I was of like, course. oh, my God. Of course that would happen. I know. It just, everything was against me. I was, you could not convince me otherwise. I was like, the doors are opening and closing. People are talking to me. I'm hearing all these things like... It's, it's, there's something wrong. There's something evil here. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Vanessa, I want to ask you, if someone wants to go and learn a little bit more or even talk to you about it, uh, what websites, what email, how can they contact you or whoever? Where can you lead them? So what really helped me was um, uh, or a nonprofit called Project Sleep uh, run by this. The CEO is Julie Flygar. She's the one that had this um, scholarship called the Jack and Julie Narcolepsy and Idiopathic Somnia Scholarship. Uh, I was one of those recipients for this year. So thankful for it, she's great. What she does for the sleep community is awesome. She pioneered for National Narcolepsy Day. Not national, sorry, World Narcolepsy Day. It's September 22nd. Um, September she got, 22nd, okay. Yep, I know, and then we've had the, I think this was the second year they did it. So next year will be the third year and it was, It was a big hit. It was nice to know that there are people going out of their way to like learn more about it so that if they were to meet someone with narcolepsy, they would know how to support them. Or if they were to, you know, have a friend say like, oh, you know, like I've been hearing things at night and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night at like the same time and I can't go back to sleep and I'm so tired. Like they're not going to be like, man, you're losing your mind or bro, maybe your house is haunted. They're going to be like, have you heard of narcolepsy? And I can tell you about it. Um, but yeah, Project Sleep has a lot of information on their website that helped me learn about it. Um, getting to know those other people that got the scholarship and their experience being in college and and just basically becoming an adult 
and having this condition, it was really helpful too. And just so that I get some advice, I guess, from what, from, from them, from that sort of perspective. So I can just make better decisions going forward, learn from their mistakes and from their experiences. Um, and just look online. Like there's so many other websites, even like WebMD, go, go to WebMD, WebMD and it's just basic stuff. Um, or, there are a lot of people that have narcolepsy that have their own Instagram accounts that they share their experiences with. It's it's just a matter oh. of learning. You don't have to, you know, go out and advocate for them in every which way possible. Just look it up, learn from it. And that's all you really need to do. That's all I want people to do so that people aren't like, oh my God, she's a danger to herself and others because she can fall asleep at any time. It's a, uh, you know... Just, just explain, just understand what it is so you can actually make sense of what you're saying, right? Yeah, and so that you can just be aware of, of how you can help those around you and, yeah, just basic stuff. I'm, I don't want people to go out and be like, oh, we don't know anything about narcolepsy. Let's go solve narcolepsy type 2. Let's go find out what causes it. Let's cure it. Let's cure narcolepsy. No, just, just try to understand and be a little sympathetic when someone with narcolepsy is a little, a little sleepy and goes, I want to go home. I'm tired. And with that note, I'll actually, I'll, I'll thank you. Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing all of this, the transparency, the honesty. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. I mean, I know a lot of people that are listening to your podcast are college students and they're not getting enough sleep. I mean, on average, I think they're getting like between what, five and six, four, four that to six hours. Right. So, you know, that's important for everybody. And sleep is such an overlooked thing in your health, something that people feel like they can sacrifice. And thank you for having me on, Luis. I really appreciate that you invited me on to your international podcast. <laughs> thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you here. All right. Goodbye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, just go on our Instagram at unsunkusa or our website, unsunk.org. 